0: I love to say that our lives are vegetal.
1: Welcome to Flowers by Kenzo Perfumes. This podcast seeks out committed flower experts working towards a sustainable and fair vision of flowers for a more beautiful world. I'm Nolene A new generation of flower farmers are taking on a mission Growing flowers sustainably and introducing their gentler perspective on flower farming to the public. It's the slow flower movement. Locally grown, seasonal flowers for a slower ethical consumption. This movement has become Masami Charlotte Laveau's work ethos. She's an activist flower farmer, founder of Plein Air, the first flower farm in Paris. Masami Charlotte has been the ambassador of Flower by Kenzo since 2022. Inspiring and inspired. Every day, she works towards a more beautiful world. Fundamental values shared by Kenzo Perfumes. With this in mind, I've joined her to meet people who act, each in their own way, for a living flower, and who inspire her in her daily work. This fifth episode focuses on floristry as an art, It comes with rich history and ancient techniques. But above all, it plays a major role in our duty to preserve the living world. With this in mind, Massami Charlotte Lavaux spoke remotely with Wagner Krush. This Brazilian florist and artist based in London co-founded the London Flower School. He no longer manages it. However, he is still teaching this necessary art at his own pace.
0: Hello, Wagner. I'm very happy to have you today. How are you?
2: Very good. Uh, (laughs) It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. So my name is Wagner and I'm a florist. It's always difficult, right, to find the right word for it, but I like florist. That's the one that I feel more comfortable with. But yeah, I've been doing flowers, well, working with floristry for the past 10 years now. But yeah, I kind of grew up in a flower shop. My mom is a florist. That's what... um, even though I hated when I was a child, a teenager, because she was working uh, weekends and floristry came later on in my life and I couldn't avoid it. So that's what I have been doing. I teach floristry mostly, but I have worked in many different uh, fields of floristry, from retail to hotels and then teaching. So it has been a quite interesting journey. (laughs)
0: So you were born and bred in Florianópolis in South Brazil. Yes. So could you tell us a little bit about this place and also about the Mata Atlântica?
2: Right, yes. No, I love (laughs) that we're going to talk about Mata Atlântica. Oh, well, I feel like very lucky, actually, that I was born in Florianópolis. Even though I moved to the countryside in Santa Catarina, I was born in Florianópolis and lived there until I was six, seven and it's just the most magical place on earth. I mean, it's very suspicious for me to say that, but Brazil as a whole is a very special place. But Florianópolis, is, it's beautiful. And talking about that area without talking about the Atlantic Forest, right, as we call uh, Mata Atlântica, is impossible because it is part of our lives. Now, the Atlantic Forest is also one of the most like destroyed areas of Brazil, unfortunately, and that's the reason of that. Is firstly because it was like the first kind of forest that the colonizers so when they arrived right it was the great green wall and um, unfortunately the big cities in brazil they are all by the coast so that had like a huge impact on the forest so even though like the atlantic forest is still like one of the most diverse biosystems even though it was destroyed it's one of the most important ecosystems in the world as you described
0: it's in brazil the living world is generous but as you said like everywhere else on the planet this generosity is endangered so more than 10 years ago as you said like you've quit your graphic design job and you really like dove deep in the flower world so was this big move in your life motivated by a feeling of urgency and the feeling that you needed to act on something
2: i don't think it was that conscious I think there was something there my connection with nature has been like very strong since I was young right but I don't think when I decided to become a florist it was not that conscious like it was not like okay it was to do with the environmental uh, problems that we were having I my mom moved to Brazil so she was a florist we lived in Brazil for many years we lived in Curitiba actually before I moved to London and she moved to London and then I was working as a graphic designer in Brazil working the computer and hating it basically I was not happy Floristry was definitely like the last thing on my list of things that I would possibly do. I moved to London thinking, okay, I'm gonna move to London and try to find something in the creative world, but still with the graphic design. And there was no other possibility because that was my degree, so I thought like I had to do it. And then I moved to London. I worked in pubs. I did like all you know the jobs that um, foreigners do when you arrive here. And I remember like passing in front of a flower shop after working in a few pubs and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy working overnight, like, you know, super late. I passed in front of a flower shop and I thought, oh, this could be nice. You know, like I know how to do a few things and bouquets and stuff. So I thought that would be better than the pub. And then I got this job, you know, I thought they would never offer me this job. Anyways, I got this job and my first job in the UK as a florist was in a flower kiosk in Liverpool Street Station. And it was like winter, like freezing (laughs) by the door. Like It was much worse than the pub, actually. But But I remember there was like um, it was always very busy. But Sunday was very quiet. There was no customers and I would stand there all day. I would do like sometimes 14 hours work. And I remember like being there without doing anything and start to play with flowers, like to do some experiments and I start to photograph them. And suddenly just clicked, you know, like I was using my graphic design skills to create compositions with flowers, and it was literally like a eureka moment, like I got completely obsessed about it. After three months of working this flower kiosk, I applied for McQueen's, which at the time was like the biggest flower company in the UK. I sent my CV thinking, they're never going to, you know, I could not even speak English properly, they're never going to give me the job. They called me for an interview and I got the job, which was crazy. So there was no reason connected to Brazil. I think the whole sustainable thing came much later on. I think on that moment was more like as a channel for creativity. Like, I think I just found a media that I felt very comfortable with. I think perhaps because my mom, I was always running on her office and on her studio. And I think it just felt like a home A lot of my students say, you know, how do you find something that you love doing? We just have challenges with that, right? And I think in my case, it was just going back to what was always there and things that I actually didn't give that much value, which was being in a flower shop. I love being in a flower shop.
0: I would say that you're multi-continental. You fully work between the Americas and Asia and Europe, and your flower work seems to be also a very effortless navigation between very different styles. You mix the heritage, historical work of Constance Spry, like this super famous British. Constance Spry is actually a very famous florist, like mid-century British florist. So you really kind of pick up her style and Heritage really, and you mix that with like the Dutch masters, and then you mix that with your Japanese Ikebana education. So I would define your practice as geobotanical, <laughs> which is a complete invention.:
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that term. I really love that term. I'm going to start using that term <laughs> from now on.
0: I really find like diversity in your practice and in your being is probably the most wagnerish thing, <laughs> and <laughs> your mastery of different techniques as well, of different styles. So would you say that this diversity is what makes your art? In your floristry work, contemporary.
2: You mentioned Constance Spry. She became this name of florist. It feels like sometimes that Constance Spry was the only florist in England doing all that. But of course, on that period, there was a lot of other florists doing what not perhaps not as didn't have as impact as what she did. But there was a, a whole wave of floristry doing. Kali, which was the owner of McQueen's at the time, she invites me to teach, which is very weird, right? I was just two years working there, and she saw the potential, which I'm very thankful. She found something in me that I didn't know, and I just loved it, you know? So my career kind of went from, like, designing a little bit with flowers and doing some experimentation to teaching. And then when I got that challenge of teaching, I went into research. And then I did, like, four years at McQueen's, and then opened the London Flower School. So I spent, like, I don't know, seven, eight years teaching without actually doing my own designs, So, because I see teaching education as a completely different, separate thing. When I'm teaching, I'm not there. I don't want the students to copy whatever I'm designing. I believe in, I don't know, critical education. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think this style came. And then now, like after I left the school, is the moment that I'm kind of exploring my aesthetic a little bit more. So I think then you see like all these different styles kind of combined. And um, obviously my study of Ikebana has like the biggest impact, I think, in what I do. But the term that you use, the geo, geo, how do you call it? Geo (laughs) botanical, right? I love that. And then I think as I kind of dived into floristry, I realized that for many people, people see flowers and they think that it's sustainable, but actually it's not, right? Most of flowers, I would say probably 90% of the flowers that people consume nowadays are not very sustainable. But yeah, I think all these things kind of interfere in the way that my work starts changing. And I think now it's very connected to the land, like more than ever.
0: So you kind of moved away from industrially grown flowers towards the smaller, humble little babies that we find.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I think during the period of the school, obviously, those questions were already like on the table all the time when I talked to the team and we tried to be as sustainable as we could. But the format of the teaching every day, it's very difficult to kind of, you know, make sure that 100% of what you have is sustainable. That's one of the difficulties, I think, of the flower industry is the quantity of flowers and having... I think now it's changed. I think the UK has a lot more, like, flower farms and you can definitely be sustainable. But it was always a conversation in the school about that. I think also the conversation that I have with other florists, you know, it's always go around this theme of, like, there is these expectations on floristry, like, of uh, pleasing, always, right? Like, in the sense of, like, oh, it needs to be grand, it needs to be luxurious, it needs to look expensive, and I think this is one of the killers of creativity in floristry, it has been for many years, this expectation that nature needs to be there to serve you all the time, to be. so I think that there is always that challenge, in the school there was that challenge as well, because obviously the students come to become florists, so they want to learn how to do weddings and all that, but I have hopes that things are changing, you know, like <laughs> I feel like people are kind of appreciating a little bit more, and, and floristry has changed as well, so. Some positive change.
0: Il y a plein de gestes techniques en fleuriculture. C'est pas du tout impossible à apprendre, Enfin, moi j'ai tout appris en autodidacte, mais ça s'apprend quand même. Et donc, mon, un de mes gros objectifs, c'est d'ouvrir une école. quoi. Et tu vas vraiment couper en plus. Hein? Avec c'est... grand plaisir. Tu vois, il y a déjà des bourgeons de l'année prochaine. Ouais, il y en a partout même. Il y en a partout, ouais. Et en fait, c'est, eux, il faut absolument qu'on les protège. Donc déjà on va pas quand tu coupes tu coupes pas sur un bourgeon et puis quand tu coupes l'idée c'est de couper en diagonale euh, comme ça avec le côté haut qui va protéger le bourgeon tu vois
1: le, D'accord. En okay. fait mon biais,
0: mon biseau, il va protéger mon bourgeon. Donc là je vais couper d'un coup sec. L'idée c'est que je mette mon sécateur en biais juste au-dessus du bourgeon mais que la pointe haute. De la coupe, soit au-dessus du bourgeon. Voilà, ça fait quand même un petit toit. Ouais, je vois. Au-dessus du bourgeon. Parce que si à l'inverse on faisait ça, donc je vais, je vais faire un mauvais exemple et je vais couper comme ça. En fait, on va créer un bout de bois mort juste là, qui va servir à rien. Your school has really, really changed the landscape of floral education because it was a very innovative space where students can learn a very different like, palette of techniques and styles. And also, you have put the focus on business management and communication strategy. So it was kind of an all-round education opportunity for students. So you're not teaching at the school any longer, but you still tailor classes for one-on-one sessions. And I've seen that you offer art direction for established flower businesses. So, why did you create a school? Because it must have been such big, big, long work. (laughs) And also, why do you teach? Like, was it just because you were offered to and then you liked it? Or do you feel that there's something calling you?
2: I think, like, out of everything I do, teaching is definitely the thing that I love the most. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, but... Since the very, like, first class, it was like, yeah, I just uh, have a thing for it. I love it because I love researching and I love, you know, seeing the process. It has changed my life because I have this chance of, like, seeing the process of so many students. And that is just so powerful, you know, like... So, yeah, out of everything I do, teaching is my favorite thing. So, why? The school? I mean, the school, I just feel like I was, like, just lucky, Masami, to be honest. (laughs) To be able to even put this in the right way. Able to have what we needed to create something so creative on that moment. I mean, it was a group effort. It was not, you know, just by the way that you described it, you can see, you know, business. I have no idea about business. I am the wor- I, you know, like <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot put together a list. So all the business and the organization of it is all to do with Helen. Helen is very good on making that happen. Not only that, but definitely because I am terrible on doing it. <laughs> so it was a group of people that we managed to bring together to create a space that I have not seen before. To be honest, like it is really magical. You know, the time that I stayed in the school, I I learned so much, not only from the students, but the team that we have put together. It was like incredible.
0: And if you'd create a flower school tomorrow, (laughs) what would be the biggest challenge for that school and how do you think educators can contribute to this rise of a very sensible and conscious florist generation that we are witnessing, I think? What would be the Flower school of tomorrow?
2: Mm, that's a very difficult one, right, Masami. I have no idea, but um, I think like the challenges are pretty much the same as always in education, I think. It's like how to educate with critical thinking. I don't know if you heard about Paulo Freire. Paulo Freire was like one of the biggest educators in Brazil, like philosopher, incredible. And I think I am very obsessed with his work, and I read a lot about like his um, methods of teaching and and he believed that there is no education without critical thinking. So I think that is always the challenge. I think is being able to create a space where you are not there just to please, but also together create, to be able to discuss and make sure that your students leave your workshops or your school with a critical thinking. Being sustainability or being design or from any aspect, I think it needs to be a more like democratic kind of thing.
0: Do you think that floral art, I mean, really as an art, needs us to fight to be recognized as an art form? Or do you believe that because it's such a powerful practice in itself, because working with like live material and because it's so intimate and because it's such a healing practice in itself, you don't think we actually need to, you know, be noisy about it and fight for it. It just like will survive (laughs) all future centuries
2: i think it's a difficult one if you asked me four years ago i would be like going on and on and on saying that we need to fight for it <laughs> and we need to, because i during a period in my career like i really felt that was so unfair that people see floristry always as this futile especially in the art world even the galleries and all that For you to be a florist, to be invited for an art gallery, you need to be doing like a big installation. You need to be doing like a huge, massive thing. You know, no one would invite a florist just to come and arrange flowers in a vase, unless you are in Japan, right? So yeah, if it was four years ago, I would tell you that, yes, we need to fight. And I still believe that it's not only like, because I want people to appreciate the work of a florist, it's because I do feel like knowing so many florists, I do feel like we can give a contribution to society, you know, these people that are working in flower shops, they have a contact with nature that no one else has, and they have, you know, this experience position us in a place that I believe we can be like the meeting point between humans and nature, you know, obviously, if it's done in a sustainable way, which for me, it's like detrimental. But I do think that I hope that galleries see the potential of floristry as an art form and um, Because I told you, I think floristry lives in different levels, like as a trade, I think is one thing. And then there are a few people that express themselves through the media of flowers. And then perhaps that we are tapping a little bit more into the art world, which is using the symbolic attributes of flowers to create artwork that connects to the present moment. That I feel like some people do. So there are so many different levels of floristry. But then the last thing you said that I think is beautiful is also what happens on the level that no one sees, which is, I feel like floristry is extremely um, democratic in a way, like, you know, because it kind of touches the soul of so many people that would never be touched by art in general. Like, there are people that never would be touched by an art piece, but a flower can really touch them emotionally. Also, I like the fact that we are kind of underground. You know, um, yeah, somehow.
0: (laughs) Underground punks.
2: Yeah, underground (laughs) punks, absolutely. You know, I think so. (laughs) And many florists know that power, you know, like if you think about just talking about Japan, you know, Azuma Makoto has been doing this for so long and touching the hearts of so many people in their way, you know, because understands the power of the symbolic value of flowers and plants. But so many others, I mean, all the great masters, Ikenobu, and, and then Sofuto Shigahara, who was the founder of the school that I came from, who was like a punk, completely like, hated in Japan for many years for opening up Ikebana to the rest of the world and, and all that. So Ikebana basically, like in a simple way, is, well, I think it's important, obviously, to say, and every time I teach in Ikebana, I am very clear to say, I'm a Brazilian <laughs> florist doing Ikebana, which is because Ikebana is the Japanese art of flower arranging. So originally the foundations of it came from China through the Buddhism, but the, in the way that they formalized it, it was in Japan. So it is a Japanese art form in the sense of like all the rules were created in Japan. So that Sikebana is, is originally from Japan. Every time I teach, I need to say that I'm Brazilian because people, you know, like, not that they're gonna think that I'm Japanese, but I think it's important to say, listen, this is an art form that comes from a culture, and we need to respect that. And I am so, like, scared of, like, anyone thinking that I'm appropriating art, you know, like, that's for me, it's like, which in some way I am, because I am learning from them, right? But um, it was originated there. And then you have, basically, in Japan, <sighs> I don't know, 200, 300 different schools of Ikebana. You have the, the most original one, which is the Ikenobo. Well, it's the original one, the beginnings of Ikebana. And then later on in the twentieth, Sofuta Shigahara, who was the founder of Sogetsu School, he comes in and he breaks all the rules of Ikebana, which at the time were not very well accepted because he was a punk. I mean, he was like, open up this. Anyone can arrange flowers anywhere with anything. And that means really anything. You know, if you see books like from the 40s, it's crazy. They mix like plastic with flowers, metal scraps. Like he has some sculptures that are incredible with metal scraps and flowers mixed with it. All my work is very, very inspired by that. It's impossible to know, like anything I do has Ikebana. But I also think even a florist that doesn't know what Ikebana is, it's practicing Ikebana. Because Ikebana had such an impact. I think Emily Thompson have mentioned once, like in um, Emily Thompson's American florist, right? Incredible that I love so much. (laughs) She mentioned, I think on an interview, she gave that uh, if you are arranging flowers, you are touching an Ikebana at some point, even unconsciously, because Ikebana had such a profound impact on on the way we arrange flowers, even if you don't know about it.
0: Les rosées, ça fait toujours un peu peur parce qu'il ne faut pas les tailler n'importe comment. Et euh, l'idée, c'est toujours que au cœur de la plante, on ait de l'espace pour que l'air puisse circuler. Parce qu'ils ont souvent des maladies. Un air qui circule est un garant d'une maladie qui circule aussi, fin, mmh, qui va pouvoir mmh. ne pas se fixer et s'en aller. Donc l'idée, c'est euh, de débarrasser un peu le cœur des branches qui s'en mêlent trop. C'est très dangereux, ouais, les, les branches sont toutes ouais. entre elles, c'est marrant. C'est justement le rôle de la taille. Une taille douce, hein. là c'est un moment où il y a plus de feuilles, euh, c'est pas un problème. L'idée c'est vraiment de, de recréer de l'espace vide à l'intérieur pour que l'air puisse mieux circuler mmh. et ça va vraiment la protéger euh, dans la saison. Ces rosés là je les taille tous les ans hein. donc euh, là il est immense mais en fait il euh, y a six mois il était ici. Hein. Ah ouais, ouais Donc il... vraiment ça leur fait pas de mal, ça leur donne ah oui, ça pas a pours- mal de vigueur. presque d'un, de plus d'un mètre. Moi, je dirais c'est énorme Voilà, c'est, bah, cette branche-là, elle fait bien 1m50 je crois. Ouais. Yes Ouais <rire> Et donc euh, voilà, il faut faire ça sur toutes les branches. Il <rire> faut faire ça sur toutes les branches, waouh Et moi ce que j'adore faire, c'est... Euh, c'est hyper long, mais c'est un peu un plaisir, c'est de tout hacher menu après. Comme ça, ça fait de la nourriture euh, ah, pour le sol. Pour aussi. le sol, mais bien sûr travel quite often for like flower residencies where you probably teach as well France and then Thailand and South Korea so the format of the art residency it's actually very common for all other art forms but I have the feeling that this format has been like emerging quite recently for floral artists so would you say is it a real trend or do you have the feeling that there are more opportunities for floral artists to really be artists?
2: It's so funny, you know, like, because I actually, this past month, I think I received like three emails from different institutions, like talking about art residency with flowers. It just shows that things are changing, you know, because I remember five years ago, I would say, guys, come on, you need to allow people. And it's great. I feel very honored that they're inviting me. But there are a lot of young florists that would benefit so much from having the chance actually to just play with flowers without the commercial pressure.
0: You're supposed to work with what's around the place. So I think it's a very relevant format, floristry, because we should, all of us, like stop importing stuff from the other side of the planet and really start paying so much more attention to what's really close to us. So it's a great format in itself, I think.
2: Yes, I agree completely. And I think that's why I feel like the workshops are changing because in the past, you know, like... (laughs) I can blame myself for that as well. I think this whole idea that you would go for a flower workshop and you're going to have this amount, this crazy amount of flowers, you know, like that was also like as a selling point, right? For the workshop and who doesn't want to be surrounded by flowers? So I think in the past we used that image a lot of, you know, you around flowers, but I feel like even the students have changed their perspective as well now, like, because I think we went through that.
0: Yeah. So it's really about focusing Mm. about the mindset and the process, like the creative process, whatever the material and exactly. whatever the quantity of material, absolutely. And yes. rather than a set result with like a specific, mm-hmm. uh, which is. Yeah. But actually, it really links to what you said. Like the the particularity with flower art is that it's very rooted in an industry. I mean, we yes. most florists have to work to just earn money. We're not yes, paid exactly. as. I mean, we. I'm not a florist, but like florists <laughs> are not paid to be artists most of the time
2: exactly yeah and, and even now we are kind of started to be invited for this you know like so there is a long journey until the moment that actually I can't wait for a florist to be invited by I don't know Tate Modern to do one arrangement not like this massive installation of flowers which is great I have nothing against like I love you know but I would love to see the art itself the arranging flowers in a vase being respected uh, beautiful
0: well thank you for your time
2: thank you so much Masumi it was a pleasure
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Flowers, a Kenzo Perfumes podcast. You can find the series on all your podcast platforms. In the next episode of Flowers, we will be meeting Akiko Usami, a flower designer in Paris and a master of Ikebana. I'm Nolene Cerda, and Flowers is a Kenzo Perfumes podcast produced by Louis Creative. Ma Charlotte, Laveau, and I have co-written this episode. Camille Bichler and Eloise Normand are in charge of production. Charles de Silia is on sound production. And the original music was composed by Marine Kemmer.